Ladies and gentlemen, if you are hearing this, you have once again tuned into the Consequence of Habit Podcast, and this is your host, JT. It is Tuesday. Yesterday was Memorial Day. And for the fourth year in a row, my son and I, in tribute to Memorial Day, have completed the Murph Challenge. And I want to give a huge shout out to Dale Walls from the Lion's Guide Podcast. If you guys not, if you have not listened to that, uh, well, you need to start. Dale and I signed a verbal agreement to complete at least a half a Murph every day for the month of May. And somewhere along the way, that, that morphed into a lot more than just half a Murph. Uh, and all of this kind of leading up to, well, to yesterday. So thanks to Dale, I've done more pull-ups in a 30-day period than I've ever done in my life. My hands are an absolute mess, uh, but I'm feeling pretty good, feeling good. So thanks, Dale. Uh, like I said, we are re-releasing an episode. This episode is with Ike Visbeek. Ike is a performance manager for Team Intermache. Now, all you cycling folks out there that listen to this, you're going to, well, if you just watch the Giro Italia, you certainly know who uh, Intermache is. These guys are a low budget. I want to repeat, these guys, do they have a fraction of the budget of the other bigger teams. This is like cycling's version of the Moneyball. But Ike is taking these riders and he has just brought the absolute best out of them. He's got, uh, he's got some big names on there now. Germay or Germay, I always mess that up, uh, from, from Eritrea. This guy's got a massive following and he's going to be a superstar in the world of psyche. He's, well, he already is. But Ike and I discuss, uh, we discuss the, the habits around achievement of, of reaching goals, both physically, mentally, and what it takes to, to deal with people's egos and, um, well, just really to bring out the best in them. So with Team Intermache all over the news, Ike's name being thrown around. Uh, I'm, well, I was I was kind of I was kind of happy that we man we found this guy. We, well, we didn't find him. That's crazy talk. Uh, we had him on a long time before. He's he's being mentioned in some of the biggest uh, cycling podcasts, cycling shows. So, figure, hey man, let's strike while the iron's hot. All right, we're gonna cut away for a second here for a little housekeeping. As you all know, I'm a huge fan of beer. Without my my love of beer and, and especially the leaded kind, I'm not even quite sure if this whole consequence of habit thing, whatever it came to be. But at some point, uh, me and alcohol decided we had to part ways. And luckily, there's a company there called Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing makes the finest non-alcoholic beer, uh, in my opinion, on the market. They've been a part of my journey from for a long time now. So if you guys like beer, you like, and I'm not talking crap beer. If you like crap beer, just go ahead and you can just fast forward this. But if you like good beer, do yourself a favor. Log on to athleticbrewing.com. Use the promo code capital C-O-H-20 and get 20% off your first order. So without further ado, please welcome back to the podcast, Ike Visbeek. All right, today we are joined by Mr. Ike Visbeek. Ike, I'm, I'm saying that right. Yeah, okay. yeah, that was the Dutch pronunciation. So you're good. Okay, sounds good. Ike, your title is performance director uh, for for Team Wanty. What does that mean? What, walk us through what a a performance director does for for a professional cycling team. Yeah, I'm the I'm the hub between on one hand the sport directors that do the tactical part at the races, like mm-hmm. the, the guys that are driving team cars and doing the tactics. On the other side, I'm uh, I, I manage and, and and oversee the trainers, uh, 
And uh, because, you know, you have the races where you uh, want to score, but you also have to prepare for those races. And uh, those those things, I'm, I'm the hub in between where I bring the, the information, the, the tactical needs from the sport directors together with the trainer input to get riders prepared. Yeah. Uh, this is a big year for you guys, right? This is your, your first year um, where you guys are going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, riding some of the, well, it's the first year riding any of the Grand Tours, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, the team now has a new uh, sponsor, Intermarché, which is uh, a new big uh, sponsor from France, a supermarket chain. And uh, we now, uh, um, I said it, making our debut in the World Tour. Mm. We have been doing the Tour de France before, but just solely the Tour de France in the World Tour. And this year we're going to do the whole World Tour uh, program. And that means that we do the Tour de France, Giro d'Italia, the Vuelta, España, Paris, Roubaix, you know, the classics. Um, so it's uh, it's an exciting uh, year for us. Yeah. Um, so, like I said before, we even started. We have I have a listenership that is that are cycling fans, but we have some other people who are really they're interested in. Well, they're interested in, in, in human performance and habits and, and the double-edged sword of that, like what you do on a regular basis, which helps you achieve things and bring success and happiness, or depending on what your habits are, could be the exact opposite, right? So um, yeah. in, in, in the world of cycling, this, this seems very unique to me, especially when we, we talk about something like a, a grand tour. And Actually, before we get into that, let, let, let's talk about you've you've been involved in the the what they call the under twenty three um, programs on, on getting these riders as they're coming up through the juniors and and they're, now they're winning races and they're potentially going to be turning pro. Right? Um, explain what what a cyclist, somebody who's who's younger, they're doing really good. What does it look like for somebody to kind of come up through the ranks and then and then be at that threshold of of possibly turning pro? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, when you, when you get to the threshold, you are already successful at the under 23 level, mm-hmm. um, you know, to really start the feeling that you're close to becoming a pro rider and, uh, the excitement, but also being nervous, uh, tends to make, to go over the threshold because that means that, uh, you're going to ride because, you know, if you're going to turn pro, you're one of the best 15, 20 under 23 in your age category. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, from that year, from your generation, and then you step into the pro scene where there's like the best hundred guys on every age group yeah. you're going to compete against. So it's like, you know, suddenly the world gets really big and, you know, you have those extremely talented guys you have to compete with. So it's, it's a huge step. I mean, I think naturally that is like, you know, standing on the, you know, on the foot of the Mount Everest and here we go again. Yeah. And now it's, it, it doesn't get any stronger, any better than this. So it's, um, um, yeah, I think humble is the right way to uh, describe it. Is is that difficult to make sure people, because, because when you're really good at something, you're, you've got your ego, right? You, you're, you're somebody that has been winning, uh, really since you've been doing it. So when someone steps into that next level, um, how how do you kind of nurture them through that process of of you are you are now a, a, a small fish in a big pond compared to what you were literally right before this? Yeah, well, I mean, what what I try to do is that I I all you know I I try to manage their expectations. I mean, because it's it, and 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 cycling is a complicated process, so you need to also make them aware of the fact that 
the small factors make a really big uh, difference on that level. So you're a climber, you're going in March to the Vuelta Catalunya, which is a climber's race, and uh, you have expectations and you suddenly ride there and you notice that there's 80 guys better than you. Mm. Well, in the under 23 ranks, you have you, you, you were one of the top five riders. Right. That's, that's a huge difference. So, I mean, so what, what I do is I prepare them for that. So, listen, this is normally how it goes. So, if you're in the top 20, then you're already doing good. But, you know, most likely that is what's going to happen. And uh, second to that, uh, there is the season is also longer, the races are longer. There are more races in the scene. So you also have to make them aware that, you know, it's it's it, it's not only the races itself. It's also your life around it. Mm. You know, you're going to be more in training camps. You're going to be traveling more. You, you want to have everything set, you know, before the season starts. You know where you want to live. Everything has to be ready for that. And, um, yeah. And then you talk about the demands of the sport. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a high level. And yeah. that means that. Where, where you could have a bad day, you know, and still see the top of the race. You know, if you have a bad day in the world tour, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 uh, you won't see the first hundred guys. That's, that's how big step it is. So, um, yeah. On, on the psychological side, do you, do you see, do you see a lot of people, I mean, I imagine you would, I, I feel like this might be a stupid question, but that really struggle with that, especially if they don't understand uh, or, or have the realistic expectations of, of now, now I'm kind of at the bottom of the pile. Um, is, is that a make or break point for a lot of people kind of coming up through the, through the ranks? Yeah. And I think it's especially how long it takes them. Mm. I mean, these talented riders, I mean, they are already belonging to the 1% of extremely talented athletes in the world. And they have been coming on year by year, uh, very fast. They have come to the service and then you come into the, the the big ponds, like you say, and then, you know, it, it can take you a year. Mm-hmm. It can take you three months. It can take you sometimes two or three years to get to that level. And it's that part that where you see riders break. They, you know, they think I do one good training camp. I'm on my racing weight. It should be it. I should be there. And then you find out you're not. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go looking again. You know, what can I do better? Do I do more racing days? Do I need to change my nutrition? You know, there's this... It's in that sense a complicated sport, and uh, you need to be ready that it can take a while before you make that step. And that is, I think, for the extremely talented uh, athletes, that's mentally tough. All right, we're going to take a pause right here to talk about the Patriot Fund. Now, the Patriot Fund, they fall right in line with what Robert Irvine is, is talking about, and that is serving those who serve us. Patriot Fund is a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, benefiting the veteran community. So whether you're active duty, guard, reserve, a veteran, or the family of any of the above, these guys have been financially supporting other nonprofits to bring amazing things to these communities, uh, to include Consequence of Habit. This first event that we've got coming up here April 5th, uh, it, to be honest with you, without them, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be happening. So please check them out at the... So please check them out at thepatriotfund.org. I'm looking back from the time I started watching cycling. And for a long time, it wasn't these young guys that were winning some of these grand tours. You know, it was, it was that mentality. You have to have those, those years in your legs and your lungs before you're, you're, you're capable of winning these, these three-week-long races. And that's, that seems to be changing, right? You've got a lot of young riders with 
uh, I mean, some of the biggest success you can have from from a pretty early stage. Uh, wh- what do you think the difference is? Uh, why is it? Why is there that 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 change over the past? I, I don't know. I, I'd say maybe five years. Well, I, I think that has also got to do with uh, social media, with the fact that trainers, coaches, um, they have a much better way of getting an audience of, of sharing their knowledge, where. In the 80s and the 90s, the, the pro riders, the experienced pro riders, were keeping the knowledge to themselves. Mm. You know, there was no internet. There wasn't a trainer putting on, this is the schedule I made for Alaphilippe preparing for the world championships. But now you yeah. can. If you go to Strava, you can go into their files. You can see, hey, he did he did prior to the world championships two times, six and a half hours, and he did those intervals. You know, they can. it's easier to copy things. So yeah. um, where... In the 80s and 90s, an, 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 an first-year pro rider would train maybe, how do you say that, not half as good as the guys that were winning races. You know, they nowadays they train exactly what they need to train from the first month they turn pro. Yeah. And that makes that these guys, when they're talented, they make much bigger steps. So, so this is something we, we spoke a little bit uh, leading up to this interview was was – the, the dynamic of of you've got a, a super talented person they, they're they're coming up through the ranks and they have their own personal trainers right and they've got their own way of doing things, um, but but now we're racing on a whole nother level. How do we how do we get these people as far as buy in to a, a completely maybe new system or what they're used to and that that goes on the on the physical side the mental side even even just the equipment wise. Um, your job a, a, as a performance manager. How do how do you have to kind of uh, approach people that that are are set in their ways? They've had success leading up to that point, but you have to kind of uh, convince them that hey, if you want to if you want to continue to move forward, we're going to have to make some changes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the tricky part because uh, you know you, there are also different personalities. But I think in general nowadays is that one you want them to be part of the thinking process, mm. so. Instead of just you telling them, this is what you need to do, you've maybe approached in a different way and say, listen, this is the area where you can maybe make progression. How do you see that? You know, what what do you think you can change to get a, a different effect or a better effect of your training? And, uh, you know, so you make them owner of the, 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 the thinking process as well. Uh, but next to that... Um, you know, there, there are different ways of doing it. You can also say, listen, this is what I know works at the competition, at the other team. You know, I, they have been experimenting with this. We have not been doing that. That can already be also a teaser. It's an easy teaser. But, uh, and then I think in general, you nowadays need to be able to show uh, some kind of science, some kind of proof, some kind of fundament for a change. And I think that's only good. Uh, because, you know, again, then you, you know, they, they also are entitled to know why you want to do things yeah. and, and based on what you want to change. And I think that already um, helps for them giving something a chance to have the, the, the confidence that they're testing something that could have an effect. And that is, um, and it's also good because you don't also, you, you, you don't want athletes that, just simply say, tell me what to do and I do it. Yeah. Because that, that works as long as you work with people that, that really are, you know, want to help you that, you know, that, that, that are in for the good reasons. But a person like that, if he ends up at the wrong person, um, 
you know you get you often see with trainers and coaches uh, that there is an approach of this, this is my approach you know they they label it as that my approach and then they they get a rider and this is my approach this is how you should train but yeah then you're actually more you know doing it for the benefit of yourself than for the rider because i think in the end you have an individual in front of you you have certain tools instrument a way of working that you know is going to work but in the end it's still 30 20 percent you know you need to adjust based on that rider or, or on that athlete i think then you are effective but just you know run your system straight through without concessions that's often not a recipe for uh, success in my opinion do you have to hold hold back a little bit even though you may know the answer to to uh or the method that's going to help them? Do you have to almost let them figure that out themselves, even though you know the answer, but kind of present it, let them do it, and then sit back and it, and and it almost it almost feels like it's it's a discovery at the same time as 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 you and and you get more of a buy in on something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, all has got to do with time. When when you the earlier, the more uh, prepared you are coming into a season, uh, the more time you have to have somebody, you know, trial and error approach to things. Uh, and the closer you get to the big goal, the less time there is to play around. Uh, but that definitely helps. And uh, like I said, because then that person is also, the athlete is also part of the process of discovering it. And um, yeah, the, 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 I mean, that is a really good way of, 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 of making it, doing it together. Because I mean, I, I had a discussion a couple of weeks ago with, uh, with a rider, testing something new. And this was basic stuff. This was about, you know, having more nutrition during the training. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, and he said, I I don't feel comfortable uh, with it because I may be gaining weight. And I said, well, listen, you know, it's, it's a cliche, but within, you know, changing or getting better within your comfort zone, you know, there is not a hell of a lot of uh, cyclists or athletes that have been, you know, becoming better by staying in the comfort zone. Yeah. So, you know, you also need to make them aware that we're going to do something and it's going to be different. You know I mean? You're going to step out of the comfort zone, realize that, but now is the time to do it. It's February. We can still do it. Your goal is in April. Mm-hmm. So we have enough time to do it. And so there are different ways to tackle it. But in the end, when you're, I think a top athlete and you have a cooperation with somebody for a longer time, uh, you you need also as a coach as a trainer need to be able to say at a certain point, I'm sorry, but this is what you need to do. There is no time to uh, to change the discussion. You know, you have that. You need to have that cooperation that there will be moments where you say this is what we do, and you know we're not going to argue about it. But this is what needs to happen to get this effect or this result. Yeah. But it's one of the ways to approach it. You cannot do it always like that. You need to you need to mix it in. Yeah. I, I imagine it's a little bit easier now that, that, um, and, and this is something that, that it's going to be mentioned in the intro, but the, the fact that you came from Sunweb, you've been part of a team that, that's won a grand tour. You were with Tom Dumoulin, um, when he won the Giro, uh, I imagine that's got to help a little bit. So when you've got these guys coming up, like, all right, we, we've got somewhat of a proven track plan that's, that's clearly had some, some positive results in the past. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that, that, that makes it easier. Absolutely, because uh, they they want to know. They are interested in finding out, you know, what what worked, what was your approach to things, and that is uh, and that's also the key thing that an athlete needs to have. You need to be convinced about what you're doing, 
But then the other side, you need to keep your eyes open what's happening around you. You don't want to get behind. Um, so so there, there's a good balance. And I think, um, but it's also sometimes very surprising because we are with 19 World Tour teams. And sometimes you think that there is magic happening behind the walls of a successful team. And, you know, I've been in Sunweb 2017 where it was, it was, we won world champion team time trial, both men and women. We won the Giro. I mean, pretty much everything we raced, we turned it into gold. It was a uh, super season. But then I see the things that went really good, but I also have seen things that, you know, it was sometimes that you unbelievable that we could make those results. And, you know, this was happening behind the scenes. We had these problems to deal with. Um, so that is, uh, the, yeah, I mean, that is uh, interesting. And like I said, I think if you, I mean, what helps me now is that I can be realistic about it to my riders. I can say, listen, this worked. This was clearly not working despite we were successful. And then, you know, they, you get also uh, easier their buy-in because they see you're realistic about things. And I think that is also um, uh, for them. Because, I mean, I go to Intermache, I want to go bear here, and they were also doing things really good. It was on a lower level, but it was definitely, they had a, there had a couple of things that were really smart. But yeah, it was a different budget. It was a different talent pool. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, they were uh, making smaller steps. But so, and you have to uh, mix that. So, um, yeah, I, I get what, what do you mean when you say when you were somewhere with Sunweb and you see things going on in um, kind of behind the scenes and it, it was it's still surprising that you're having the results. Are you talking like a interpersonal things going behind the things or is, is it equipment issues, training issues? Uh, you know, what do you mean by that? No, I mean, it can be it, it, for us. It was um, for, first of all, Team Sunweb didn't have a big budget. Ah. So we were, we were like pretty understaffed during the season. I mean, we were doing uh, the Giuditale, we were two sport directors. Well, Mm. most of the teams have three or four sport directors. So you have, with two sport directors, you're really under pressure because it's a four-week race. I mean, you're one week before the start already there, but then it's already starting. So you are, and and then the the Giro gets decided in the fourth week. So when everybody's most fatigued, the riders, the sport directors, you want to go home, and that's when the race gets decided. I mean, it, literally, the Giro d'Italia was decided in the last day, in the last 30 kilometers of the race. And um, you bring, need to bring your A game in that week. So that was when I now play back the movie and I tell my my colleagues at the Intermachia that we were with two guys in the Giro d'Italia, they think, that's possible. It's not possible. You know, and the, 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 so, yeah. But it is also, we were, 2017 was the pinnacle the, the top year we were on, by that time step by step growing that was our step on to the being one of the best three four teams in the world mm. but that was a different journey when we once we were there it, it became a different game because then we had to stay on the top and that was much more challenging for Sunweb than the journey towards the top because everybody was still aiming to surprise and to impress everybody and it got a different dynamics in the years following after that, because the expectations were much higher. Yeah. Th- that was actually leading to my next question. That's, that has to be exciting. Uh, you've got, you've got really a, a young team right now. And, you know, as far as expectations, whether you have your own expectations and then you have the expectations of, of, of the, the media and the fans, but, um, 
you, you know, you're, you're, you're not coming in as uh, an Inyos or, or, or something where, where like they're really expecting um, certain things from you. So that has to be, it's got to be exciting. Really, what I'm trying to say is seeing something build from from the bottom up, and then putting those those things in place. And when I talk about habits, um, you know, in 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 a book that I think I might have mentioned to you called Atomic Habits, they actually take Team Sky right when it was team, when it was Team Sky, and they talk about the the little things that they. I mean, from top to bottom, they said we're gonna we're gonna try and perfect as many things. We're gonna put a process in place. And not worry as much about the results because if the process is in place, the results are going to, you know, they're going to come along with it. Um, what does that look like for you in, in dealing with a new team like this and, and uh, just re- starting from the very beginning and putting this, this whole thing together? Because I, I can't imagine how complex uh, preparing a team for something like a, like a, like a grand tour must be. Yeah. It's, it's exactly like that. And it's funny that you mention it because if I now see at the teams that are being successful and with successful, I mean that you have a certain budget and you perform well over your, you know, the, 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 the budget that you have with Sunweb, we overperformed mm. in 2017. Uh, Ineos has the biggest budget. So for them to overperform, you know, they win the races, but they also have the best, uh, how do you say that, the, the, the best infrastructure sure. to perform. Um, but for us, it's a different ball game, and uh, we, and, and and what I try to to change, and that is in combination with what Sky was doing the, in the in that time, is that I'm not so occupied about the results, and we, we, I mean the team, the people around it, the expectations always hang up on the result, and I've been trying to change that scope into let's focus indeed on how we do the process. We have a sprint train. They sprint two times. One time in Bessage last week, it went good. The other time they lost each other and then the sprinter crashed. And, you know, for 20 minutes in the evaluation, it was about the result. And I said, but I don't, I don't, I'm not so interested in the result. I mean, of course, it's the, how do you say that, the, the final reward. But I want to see the things happening in the basics, in the communication between you guys understanding each other, having the right feeling, having the right instinct, um, because you work together and you evaluate it and you tell each other the truth, what you think of it, and you get better and better and better because that is the fundamental success. I mean, cycling is not just one race. It's not one Olympic race. It's not one championship. Most of these guys' race have 80 race days. They have 20 races that they need to perform. You know, and, and and we perform. I'd have to do a result, for example. So it's um, it's much more depending on something that you find out how it works. You get more chances to 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 show yourself to uh, to achieve it. But all the other teams have that as well. So a sprint train in February for you is is developing, but it's also developing for the other teams. So um, yeah, it, it it is important that. Um, that, that, that you stay focused on the, on the process. But then again, you can also then really get into the, you know, they can also get grow tired of it. You know, you can not always say, you know, it's, it's about the process. It's about the process. No, in Kuna, it's one of the first sprint classics, you know? Yeah. Then we, you know, then we go for a result and, but up to then you're much more focused on the, on the process, but you need to have your moments when you say, okay, we practiced it. We know what we need to do today. 
it has to happen. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm interested in, in the camaraderie of, of a team because you can take a, a team with a normal, I shouldn't say normal, but, but a traditional sport where you have a game, right? You, you have a season, but within that season, you have these, these kind of snapshots of, uh, of a game. When, when you're talking about cycling and you're talking about a, a, a three-week-long race, keeping the camaraderie of a team, especially when people are starting to mentally crack, I mean, I, I, it's, just, it's, hard, mo- it's hard for most people to wrap their head around riding – you know, potentially 200 miles in a day uh, over mountains and where you have to go in your mind in a, in a, in a mental place. And I think that a, a, as little cracks start to appear in someone's kind of psyche, I, I imagine trying to keep that camaraderie of, of, a, of a unified team has to be, I mean, you really have to put the hat on of a, of a, of a psychologist as well as just, just the performance, just the actual performance side of things. Yeah. And that, yeah, and it's really the two things. One is that, you know, as a group, you need to start understanding how everybody functions. You know, I have riders that when they come off the bike after a race, you know, you cannot talk to them for 45 minutes. They're just all the emotions, all the, you know, the, the intensity of the race. They need to, you know, they need to, uh, how do you say that, uh, digest yeah. and give it a place. Well, literally, Somebody else can be totally different. They just need to tell a story directly to get it off their chest and, you know, to calm down. Um, so that is one thing. And then you also need to be really focused because it, it's it's really, uh, I mean, before uh, you had Sean Kelly on the podcast, you know, they would get, the whole team would gather, get in a car, in different cars, and they would drive to the hotel. I mean, literally, after the finish line, uh, Kelly maybe didn't see his teammates until dinner. And in nowadays you're in a team bus, you, you do the showers together, you yeah. have to use the same toilet, you have the same recovery meal, and you sit in within 10 square meters of each other before the stage and after the stage. So there is much more going on. And that also means that, you know, there is a breaking point in a Grand Tour, and that's the 10-day, the 10-day rule. After 10 days, up till then, everybody can be really constructive with each other. You know, people can take the criticism. But after that, it gets different. You notice that you cannot make the same jokes at the first week of the Tour de France than after 10 days, really. So it's there you also need to, um, you need to, you need to understand that dynamics, but it's also for yourself because like I said, I'm also, I'm also getting more tired. Sure. You know, and you need to be, and you need to be sharp, especially the, the more sharp you need to be because most, especially for uh, winning a Giro d'Italia or Tour de France, when you're running for GC, it can, you know, you, know, you cannot win the Tour de France uh, in, uh, in every stage, but you can lose it around every corner. Yeah. And that makes, of course, mentally, the pressure is on in a team. And uh, you need to manage that. And that was my role in the Giro d'Italia to make sure that uh, not a nervous mechanic comes into the team bus to ask, well, how much tire pressure do you have team? Because yeah, the descent is very technical, you know, and start, you know, making the guys extra nervous. Yeah. You need to manage that part uh, as well as you need to know that when on a bad day uh, or the day before the time trial, you don't maybe don't want to have Tom Dumoulin doing five interviews because he's already occupied with, sure. with the time trial the, the day after. So, you know, you schedule the, the interviews after the time trial. So, you know, he can just, you know, stay in his own bubble. And these kind of things you need to put uh, put together. 
and it's uh, it's like uh, Tom de Marino always says, it's a very complicated puzzle. <laughs> it really is because all those things play play. Well, you mentioned once you're on top, it's 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 very difficult to stay in that position, and I imagine trying to recreate. Um, that, that, that combination of things that, that got you there in the first place, it's gotta be, that's gotta be exhausting. Um, explain what your day is. I mean, most, most people can imagine a rider that they, they, you know, they're eating, they're, they're racing and then it's, and then it's off to either interviews and recovery, right? In your position, uh, I imagine that has to be exhausting because what's your day look like after say a stage in, in the Giro? What, what, what goes on uh, uh, kind of behind the scenes for you? Yeah. So you you finish, let's say, on average around five o'clock. It takes you about one hour to leave with the team bus from the finish area. And it, within that hour, as a, as, a, as a sport director, you were at the team bus, you talk to the media, you talk to your riders, you get already your first glimpse of what you know how was it what uh you know you had the first thing they say the first things you can ask a little bit around then you transfer to the hotel let's say that's everywhere between 20 minutes and an hour uh, on average uh, you get into the hotel the first thing you do is that you finalize the planning for the day after and mm. uh, because uh, at that moment so you decide departure time for the next day who's going to be in what car normally you have already that pretty much prepared, but you need that 45 minutes to, to make that ready. Then you also discuss with your colleague because as soon as you've done the planning for the next day, that's also the moment when you have the last time talk with your colleague and say, tomorrow we need to attack or tomorrow it's only about defense or we have to save these two guys because tomorrow is not important. It's going to happen the day after. So we need to save these guys because after that, you go to the rooms and you're going to talk to the riders. They have had the recovery meal. They calm down. They have time to think about the race. That's the moment when you go to the room and talk to them about how was it today. You gather their information for the evaluation and you already discuss your idea and plans for the next day. So they are prepared. When you've done that, you do a debrief with your colleague again after that. That's already eight, nine o'clock. Mm. Uh, that's around the time that the riders have dinner. The staff, most of the time in the Grand Tour, it's anywhere between 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock. You have dinner, so it's pretty late. There's a debrief with staff, mechanics, the swanyers. Uh, and then like close to 12 o'clock, you go to bed. The next morning, you're up. Then um, there is not a hell of a lot of time between you know your breakfast and going to the start. And then at the start area, you do your tactical meeting, your debrief of the day before. You really sum it up. I've talked to everybody. Everybody got a chance to talk, you know. Then that's done. Then you go to the next uh, to the to the the race of the day. You talk about the parcours, talk about the tactical plan, you set the appointments, and then you have about forty five minutes before the start of the race. And from then on, you're four or five hours in the team car. Good God, that sounds yeah, that sounds absolutely exhausting. Um, now you, you transitioned from from a world of pro cycling yourself. You, it sounds like you you're, you grew up in uh, you're from for, from the Netherlands. You're, you grew up in the world of cycling. Because of injury, you ended up stepping off the bike. How was that transformation for you to go from from the cyclists into into the the the, the, the team side of things and and you know behind the scenes uh, helping people kind of move up through the ranks? Well. I mean, it's um, for for me. It 
it was still about, I mean, I love the sport, obviously. Right. Uh, and I, for me, it was really, for me, it didn't meant so much difference between winning a race with a team that I was coaching or winning as a cyclist myself. Mm. I, um, so in that, I, for that, I mean, you see we, a lot of pro cyclists that can handle that. They, I mean, they really focus on themselves. They can, they can do that, but step into a role as team manager, they don't find that appealing because it's not about their doing the right, results. Right, it's right. about it. So, but for me, it really is. I, I, I like to, you know, if we talk about managing the dynamics in a grand tour, in a team bus, I like to manage that. You know, the small little details that you put in place uh, and, and that you manage that for three, four weeks and knowing that you have that, you know, last week coming and you want to be the guy that, you know, is still standing firm as the overview and can coach a team through a Grand Tour. That for me is a big challenge. I like that. Um, so yeah, now the transition in that sense, I love the sport and I love to win. And uh, <laughs> it didn't matter for me if I was coaching or racing myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and this is something I mentioned with, with Sean Kelly is, is, you know, you've got people that are naturally talented, right? They have this, this God given gift uh, and, and, as an athlete, they're, they're excelling. And then you, you, you have the other side, which is the, the work ethic side. And, you know, it's, it's really rare to have those two things kind of merge together. Um, your experiences, have you had guys kind of coming up that, that truly could have been as far as just a talent side, one of the best, but, but are, but we're lacking on, on the work ethic side. And then the second part of that is, um, how do you try and change that? How do you motivate somebody um, that you see a ton of potential, but but you you know that they're just not fulfilling it? Yeah, now I mean that that is really the um, what what I described earlier uh, that that it's often also about patience. Mm. You know, you put in the hard work to develop. You're a neo professional. You need to uh, get stronger. You need to get the experience. And it's not written in the sky when you get, you're going to get that reward. And that is what this is also about. Uh, you need to prepare them for that. You know, there's not directly a payout. Yeah. Sean Kelly did three, four, five years. He was already a solid rider, but it took him really four or five years before he really right. got onto right. the, the big stage and was one of the best 10, 20 riders in the world. But up to then, it was also a struggle for him. And, um, it's it's difficult to get through somebody that you know that's oblivious to that, and I mean I think that is also uh, finding the keys to make that work. And and we shouldn't forget, and that's one of the the things that are happening in the sport. The big athletes are very young. Some of these guys are twenty, twenty one, twenty three. You're not mature. Yeah, right. You're a kid. So 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 I mean that plays also in effect. I mean, yes, a twenty nine year old rider, you can expect that he kind of has uh, accountability, that he understands that he has to make some decisions. Yeah, it snows this week in Holland. Okay, you book yourself a ticket, you go on training camp. Probably the twenty three year old kid, you have to still have to say, give him that ID. Like you know, you you know, shouldn't you invest now in your career and in your season and go to Spain this week because you can't train. Um, but you still have to take that in account. That was sometimes, I remember with Warren Bagil, uh, our French writer, um, uh, that was in the beginning sometimes you forget that although they are really talented, they win a big race, you know, he was still 23 years old. 
you know? So (laughs) he's still living with his parents. So uh, you you need to filter that. You need to give also somebody the space to, to, uh, to develop. And I think, and again, there it also comes, you know, do you just tell them everything and say, you know, if you don't change that, you're never going to be a good pro. Or you're gonna think, you know, how am I gonna land this message? Yeah, you know, is it trial and error that I need to do here? Is it, is it uh, that you help him with something so he 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 changes something, he sees a small result, and then you know he takes over the thinking process of, okay, I, I changed my nutrition in the race and I got a better result. Maybe I need to change my nutrition in training as well. Yeah, you know, the next step is maybe I should also be more careful what I eat before the training. You know, it, it, so, yeah. I heard you mention in, in another interview, part of your job is, is obviously to develop these guys as, as, or to fulfill their, their potential as much as possible as, as riders. But it, but it's also to, to help make them a better, just kind of overall person in general, you know, uh, what, what, what does that look like? And, and, and how do you, how do you try and, and balance those two things between, um, you know, you've got to just, we need results, but at the same time, you know, the, the, the stresses of this sport, um, the, the stresses of, of being a professional athlete and, and all of the things that go along with that uh, can really derail you a, a, along the way. Um, how, how do you try and manage those, those, those two things? You know, it's, it, it's a very, um, the discussion that's going on in the sport right now, because I think this is what 95% of the the, 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 the teams, the coaches have been forgetting. Yeah. The only focus was about doing it as perfect as possible. You know, go on the altitude camp, do every day. Every, everything has to be hundred percent nutrition. And what was never the question or what has been not been enough. The question was if we work, and do everything 100%. Can you do this 12 years in a row? And that question is is now starting to you know get to the surface because people can't. You can't if you, if you sit four times 3 weeks on a mountain doing an altitude camp fatigued and yeah. from there you go to a race, you race and then you come home for 3 4 days and then you go to the next camp because that's literally what's happening at the moment. And um, it's really tough, tough for your private life, tough for for your mental status, uh, and especially for the GC riders that try to win the Tour de France and mountain stages. You're also in a constant fight with the, the carbohydrates. You're uh, you you, you want to stay as lean as possible, but fuel your body very um, uh, in, in a very smart way. But of course, the you know the shortage of carbs doesn't make you a happier person. And that, that has an effect on people. Sure. And that is really the, the toll of this extreme top sport um, has, uh, is big. There are people uh, dropping out. I mean, uh, Tom Dumoulin, he now said, I need, you know, I need a moment for myself here now for a couple of months because it has been too much. Uh, and I, yeah, it, it's a very interesting question. And I think I, I have always, um, the last couple of years, uh, because in Sunweb we were really structural, and we were—it was really top-down. You know, we thought of something, and it would land to the riders, and it was, you know, like do this, and everything close to 100% imperfection. And it is that that works two or three years, 
But again, there are just a couple of people. There are not many people that can deal with it in that way, 12 months a year, 12 years in a row. And, and, and I think that is where the sport has to slowly start reinventing uh, their extreme top sport approach into something that a rider can do. Can uh, Pogacar do this 12 years in a row? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Sagan is a good example. He has his moments. He goes uh, skiing or he takes a cross motorbike. And Michael Matthews, uh, you know, when he's on altitude camp in the first two days, he goes with a mountain bike uh, doing downhill. You know, he likes that. But you need to find those ways to put that in place so you can deal with this uh, approach. And, um, yeah, it's, it's it's very demanding. You know, so. In your opinion, is is that something even the teams need to look at, and maybe have more riders? Uh, because because like you said, the season is so long. So most Americans have no idea, unless you're a true cycling fan, you don't truly get how long the season is. And um, you know, we see the tour. Uh, unless people are buying a, a subscription to, to watch watch cycling all year, but you know, just on regular TV, we're seeing the tour, and then we had the Vuelta this year, and my kids would come downstairs and like, it's the same people in the mountains every single time. And, and they said that, and it makes you realize these guys are suffering. Now, if we're just taking, these are just two of the grand tours. These guys are suffering for six weeks. Now, obviously some of these days are, are flatter days, but I mean, you're still putting in a lot of miles and the damage that it would do. I, I, I'm just going to think to myself, like if I had to ride up one of those mountains a single time, I would, I would be wrecked for a week. And these guys are just doing it kind of day after day after day, um, with expectations of results, right? Uh, cameras yeah. on you, the team, you've got the, you've got the team expecting something. You're getting paid to do a job. Um, I, I, I agree. I, I, we're seeing more and more riders uh, kind of have to, they're either breaking or, or you see a guy like Tom that, that, that you know, luckily says, you know, no Moss, I need some time. I'm going to step away. And it was nice to see whether, whether it was just, I don't know if it was just, uh, uh, for the media, but, um, Yumbo seemed very supportive of this and saying, look, yeah, I mean, the guys, yeah. the, the overall the important thing is this, this guy's mental state, his happiness and how he is as a human, not, not just his, his, his results. But, um, I really, I'm just kind of taking a long way to get to the question. How, how do what kind of changes need to be made within the sport to, to maybe mitigate some of these pressures on the riders? Yeah. Like I said, it's, um, I think as a team, every team has different identity yeah. and, uh, and as a coach as well. And I think that it's really about knowing, um, when does some, when, which three weeks in the preparation to the Tour de France need to be perfect. Mm. You won't have those three weeks perfect, but there are also weeks right? And close to the Tour de France or maybe two months before the Tour de France where it's not so important. And you need to think, and I think that is what needs to be part of the strategy for teams and for coaches is what do you do then? Because, you know, it's a vicious circle. They think if I also, that, that, that easy week that I don't have to train much, if I then still go to bed every day, nine o'clock and I still, you know, I maybe get a better result. That's true. But you maybe also lack the freshness. Yeah, you know, you you don't have that. You don't feel recharged because it's just a circle of putting pressure on yourself and being focused, and and um, and and that balance you need to uh, you 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 need as a team 
you know, what what do we want to do? I mean, literally, we won the Giro d'Italia. We that was the, the first Grand Tour where I, where I introduced to the team to have a barbecue on the rest day. <laughs> great. People didn't understand why you want to have a barbecue, and it was not about having Tom Dumoulin sitting there eating a steak. It was not at all. Right. It was for the staff, but. The riders on the rest day, after they had their normal dinner in the in the restaurant, would come and sit with us for half an hour or an hour outside, talking to everybody. And it was about totally different things. We weren't talking about the race. We weren't talking about how 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 good it was the day before or how shitty the day uh, two days ago. No, they were talking with each other, you know. And it was like sitting around a campfire. Yeah, the barbecue was a campfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 it was. Those small things that made us still sharp and fresh in the last week of the Giro. And I think that was one of those small things. And I remember Tom Dumoulin saying, and that is also, you know, if you talk about making it, make it, you know, being able to deal with the sport so intensely is that you sometimes also have to check out and for yourself and say, how, how fortunate am I? Because we often joke when we're in the team bus and we're in the city center and see the office buildings and you, it's 10 o'clock, the sun is out, and, you, and the guys are joking, they, say, yeah, they have another six hours behind the desk. You know, we do five hours in the sun, you know, we get a massage afterwards, we see something of the country, and uh, it's not that bad as well. So, I mean, it's also, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it can be five hours of suffering on the bike, but, you know, you you have to work out for yourself what um, what, what what works for you and, and, and what are the, 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 the motivational and you say that uh, motivational um, treats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's so important that that whole perspective thing of just kind of reminding yourself, what, you know, things to be grateful for. Because um, I, I imagine it is very easy to slip into this dark place, especially when things aren't going your way. Uh, you've got, you know, an Alpes in front of you, and and you just know today's 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 going to suck, but. But reminding yourself you get paid to ride a bicycle outside, right? Like it's, it's, it's about how sometimes you just have to package it in the, in the right way. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and to come back to what we discussed earlier, when we talk, when we talk about buy-in of, of an athlete or a cyclist to, to, to do something that they are not used to, or they think is difficult. Um, you know, sometimes you also have to remind, doesn't matter if my job is sport director or, or you're a bus driver, or you work in a factory, or you're a stockbroker in uh, in Wall Street. There are simply things that come with every job that are not fun to do. Yeah, you know that you need to do uh, to get to do the things that are really fun. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that is also uh, you know sometimes need to be able to say to them, you know, <laughs> this is part of the job. Yeah, Whether right. you like it, or not. Yeah, and yeah. and. and and what you said about you know getting people prepared also and, and, and develop as individuals, that is also part of the development as a person, as an athlete. You know, you you live in your own top sport bubble. Everybody likes you in your in your village because you you are that that highly talented, successful cyclist. Everybody said tell you how great you are, and suddenly you have your sport director stand in front of you and say today was not good, mm. and I think you should do this and this better. Yeah. It, it is a, it can be confronting but yeah you need to talk about the difficult things if you want to if you want to get better and, and 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 sometimes you need to do the reality check with them like you know it, it can't it, it's no it's not all everyday sunshine and, and easy and it's not always great what you do so yeah 
I, I you know, going into a Grand Tour, it's also that there's there's three weeks of races, and not every day goes well mm. according plan or 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 you have setbacks, you have riders crashing out, you have somebody with a saddle sore for two or three days, uh, you know, you have you have all these uh, the you know these setbacks, and I think what you know when we talked about young talented riders stepping up to the big pro level and managing their expectations. This is also something I've been doing in the ground tours with my riders is that, you know, hopefully we can land a couple of punches, but we definitely going to receive a couple in these three weeks. And I will tell you when we receive one and you probably will be noticing it in the team bus, but you know, that is a good reference when you have a bad day, you know, this is, you know, this punch we had to have, and tomorrow we need to be coming out again. And when you also can give that a little bit of distance to it, you know, and that they know there's going to be difficult moments and, and you talk about it, you make it a subject and you want to prepare everybody that you are aware of it, that they are aware of it. Um, I think that also builds the confidence and it builds also the, the dynamics within the team that they, you know, when it happens, they recognize it. And they already have one step further in dealing with it because they, you know, this, we had our day tomorrow, hopefully we can turn it around. Do you have a lot of the, not a lot, but I'm sure within uh, the season, you've got some, some interpersonal conflict that happens between riders. Um, how, how, how do you deal with that? And, and I mean, is, is there times where you just have to give them distance and work some, some things out? Uh, at what point do you intervene on something like that? Uh, how, how do you, how do you manage something like that? Yeah. I mean, in, I would say nine out of 10, uh, situations, you want to work it out when you have a debrief, when you have an evaluation. And um, what you don't want is that directly after the race, there's a big discussion going on mm. because you know, they, they need to eat, they need to calm down. They need to get their emotions under control. They maybe also need a different angle on what happened. Uh, but, as soon as everybody has food in the body, that's when you can start yeah, an, an, a, a proper discussion. Um, but and, and that's nine out of the 10 cases. Then there are also moments when you think, if I'm going to discuss this now, I'm not going to land my message. Mm-hmm. And that is, as a coach, I think something that's maybe overlooked, and I see that sometimes with colleagues as well, you know, there's a, there's a message that you need to land, but so, it's, it's very easy to just give the message because you have it off your list and you've done it. You know, you said you, you, you were not uh, at the right moment there. You know, we were not happy with that. You've said it, but if that guy is already thinking about the time trial the next day, he has not registered it. He just, okay. And tomorrow I have to go 30 K and I need to do, I need to have that chain ring and I need, you know what I'm going to eat. So, you know, you need to be able to, to think, not only giving the message, can I learn the message? And that is uh, something that uh, I've noticed, especially also in this Grand Tours, which is really important that you um, that you think about it because it's not, I mean, I, I noticed by myself, if I'm in, an, in, in before an important race, uh, not a hell of a lot of things get through me. So I, you know, I'm, you're so focused. So uh, yeah, you need to play with that as a coach as well. It's it's almost like being married, right? It's, or any relationship. You you know, there's times that there's 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 the right time and place to bring up certain subjects, and there's other ones where like you know you know I've got I've got something I need to say or or do it, but 
my instincts tell me that now's not it, right? I, I can maybe push this back and, and um, figure out when, when it's more conducive to, to, to get my message across. Uh, and, and then, you know, I asked that because you see like the documentary or everyone kind of knew what was going on with Quintana and, and Movie Star for that, for that season where it was like this alienated rider and he was almost like a team of one at times. He was just kind of doing his own thing. And you'd see these guys sitting around on the bus and you could almost feel this tension. And um, in, in something like a three week grand tour that those, uh, like I said before, those little, those little cracks, those little fractures have to, if they're not, if they're not dealt with uh, right then and there, I, I imagine they, they, they become craters over, over the, you know, the next yeah. three weeks. And, and that's again, you, you need to pick your moments. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have here a uh, jersey of Warren Bagil, right. uh, the French rider, you know, he had difficulty getting the message straight on in the team bus with everybody there. Mm. Tom Dumoulin doesn't have a problem with that. He can handle it. And he will also tell another rider or a sport director these things right there on the spot. But with Warren, it didn't work like that. So if you want to land your message, if you want to, you know, if you want to bring a message that's not so positive, like uh, he did a mistake or, uh, you know, uh, Warren was sometimes attacking in the wrong moments, you know, and then if a rider would come, an experienced rider would say, you know, you can't attack there, you know, he find it hard to deal with it. Mm. And, and and we're different. That's, that's perfectly fine. But when is the right time and place to discuss it? And, you know, after I worked out that with Warren, mm. you know, I could work really good with him. Right? And in, and with a Spanish team, like a uh, movie star, you can see that there's not a direct approach. You know, there is more like, okay, we linger for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One or two days, and then on a massage table, uh, the one of the, the massage therapists will talk about it, and he will talk to this boy. Now he's now okay, and you know it goes a little bit. Yeah, there's different cultures, and yeah. there's not one way. Of course, being able to be direct and you know to be open, have a, have a really open and direct culture, it gets you faster to things. You know, because yeah, you can solve an issue right there when you do the evaluation. You're good for the next day. Um. But yeah, it's not always that easy. Like I said, are you going to deliver before a really important time trial? Are you going to deliver a, a bad message to a rider the day before? Like I said, you're probably not going to land the message. Yeah, you're going to confuse him. You're going to take energy away from him. So you have to be tactical with it. I like it, man. The more you talk, the the more complicated uh, your job sounds. I mean, it's it, you just you're wearing a lot of hats, my friend. Um, and <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of juggling. I can, I can only imagine just, just the personalities of, of professional athletes. You know, they, it, we mentioned ego a little earlier and, you know, the, the same reason some of these guys are, are super confident and have large egos is the same reason they win, right? They're, 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 it's, a, it's a mentality. Um, and if they didn't have it, they, they probably wouldn't be as successful, but to, to try and merge that into a team dynamic where, um, where you're racing for as long as you are and the seasons are as long as they are, uh, that's, man, that, that's gotta be a tricky, tricky thing. You know, you, 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 obviously here in, in America, everyone knows Lance and they, you hear him on his podcast and it was like, it was almost like a, a like a dictatorship. What he said went, and if it was a rest day, they were still going out for long rides. It didn't, didn't matter. So as long as you've got loyal soldiers, that sounds great. But, but if you've got somebody that, that, that balks at that and says, Hey, that's not, you know, um, I could definitely see some, some, some conflict, uh, in the horizon at that point. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, but that's but then you also talk about the dynamics. You like movie star is a team that, you know, where five, six riders have something to say. Yeah. The dynamics in Lance's team was that he was the boss. Yeah. And it was clear. Right, right. So in that sense, you know, if 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 team management did the right recruitments, they they didn't bring on uh you know, another Lance Armstrong into the team because they know it's going to be a mess in the bus. It's going to be a competition between the two Lance Armstrongs fighting for leadership. So, I mean, in that sense, you need to find the right, um, the right mix of things. And that was also something with Tom. Tom is also a leader and he wants everything to be perfect. But at some point, you also he needs his energy and his focus to bring the best out of himself as well. And I think that was also what Lance and uh, Brunel was, were, were doing. Up till the Tour de France, there was a lot of leadership and a lot of managing the details. But once the Tour de France was going, I don't think that Lance needed that much leadership. You know, everything was worked out. Everybody knew what to do. Yeah. And he wasn't losing that much energy and that stuff. And, and if something wasn't working out, he would talk to Akimov or Hinkepi and they would solve it for him. And that's exactly how we did it with Lawrence the Dumb as, as being the lieutenant for, um, for Dumoulin. I said, listen, if there's something in the race... You know, if you don't want to deliver that message, some, somebody's running too fast, too slow, you know, bring it to Lawrence and he can do it for you. Manage your energy. And I think that is what, what, what Lance was also uh, doing. But it, it, the leadership was clear in that team. And I think that is also one of the things, you, you, you know, it's, it's a culture, but it's, it's clear. And uh, yeah. Anytime you see a team, they said, well, they've got, they've got uh, two leaders going into a, a, a grand tour and then we're going to see how, it, how things play out. And and then see who kind of takes that leadership role. That's a lot of pressure, man. That, that I mean, just not just for the people that that are are kind of buying for that position, but but everyone else knowing knowing who they're riding for. Um, for you guys, trying to make those decisions when to attack, when, who to protect. Someone gets dropped off. Who are we going to send back to to, to pick them up? That's seems like it, it, it makes things even more complicated. Yeah, and that that is what I think with. Um but what, what is really important there is that you go over the scenarios in your head. Uh, what For me, at least, that's important if I want to manage it. I mean, you know, if you know that you have the first mountain stage, you have two leaders. What if he has a bad day and what if he has a bad day? And when is it a bad day? If it's like he's dropping 30 seconds, 30 seconds is not, not enough right. to say you have a bad day, you know? Two minutes is a bad day. And and you have to make uh, your decisions. And I think that was also uh, this year in the Giuditalia, Dilko Kelderman on the Stelvio. You know, 30 seconds, he was not cracking. And they didn't make a choice. And it cost them the Euro victory in that moment. And that is the, 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 the you know, you need to play that in your head. You know, when when do we go for that guy or when do we still help the other guy? And And I think, you know, if... If you know the parcours, if you know the gaps, if you know how a certain rider thinks, um, you can manage that. But you have to you have to think the scenario is true. If he drops there, you know, if we, if we help him through that part of the race, you know, we we can manage it. We can do the damage control. Um, so yeah, you have to run the scenarios. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and the more you do that, the more. I mean, if you have two leaders and you don't think about the different scenarios, because you off, you, the, the big mistake you can make is that you focus on the blue sky scenario. Hmm. And, you know, we're going to be two guys. Oh, it's going to be difficult because they're both going to be good. And uh, then, the, then one can attack and the other can wait. Yeah, that's the blue sky scenario. 
most likely not going to play out like that mm. unless you're Ineos or, or you're Mo at the moment. So uh, you have to, <laughs> the, the non-blue sky scenarios you yeah. need to think about and, and, and really think it through. What do we do? And, 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 and when is it really game over? Yeah. And, yeah. and it, I, you're right. And just knowing the riders too, because to, to see like, like a Dumoulin, and we talked about it leading up to this is, is, you know, he's like a, like a, you know, they compare him to a diesel engine. I'm getting at is understanding the, the, the type of rider that you have and understanding whether someone's truly cracking or they're just riding yeah. their race and, and uh, you know, th- th- yeah. they'll get back up there. And, 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 but you can see in, in, especially in those Grand Tour category, um, you see that a lot of the guys have, they don't give up. Yeah. 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 And, 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 it, and, that is really something. Uh, if if I look at Michael Matthews, for example, he was a perfect example. He never gave up. You know, he took Sagan beat him. The next day, he would do right back hundred percent focus again, and he would go at it again. And eventually, he wins, and he also beats Sagan. Um, and and that you see with the Dumoulin as well, with uh, the incident with his nature break in the Giro, he didn't give up. You know, and 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 that is uh, yeah, it's a cliche. But it, it is true. I mean, if you look at the Grand Tour contenders that have been one of the favorites and then they don't do a result at all, you know, of course, if they crash out, it's it's clear. But you you see that there's still a category of riders that, you know, when it's really headwind, when it's a really bad day, they crack. And it's often after the first 10 days, they crack and it's over. And, um, yeah, the, the, this, that is really, uh, as a pro cyclist, one of the things like I said, the patience to wait, you know, till you make the step and you can, can be competitive. It's also about not giving up. You know, you have to keep trying. You have to keep trying. And that is, um, yeah, what, what, an interesting. Thing. What kind of conversations, I, this will be my last question, I promise, but it, what kind of conversations are you having with, with a rider that, that cracks? Cause it's so, it's so obvious to watch it on TV. I mean, when someone, when someone truly cracks, it's such an overall physical, uh, uh, you can read it all over their body. I mean, for whatever reason, yeah. I feel like their helmet fits different. Like everything just looks different on somebody who's, who's, who's done, you know, they, they've bonked, they're, yeah. they're, they're done for the day. Um, but in these races, you may still have, I mean, you could have another 60 miles to ride yet. So what kind of conversations are you having with them to try and to, you know, try to work through these things and, and get them, you know, obviously they're not going to be winning that day, but to get them through and minimize the amount of damage that, that it's going to be caused on that day. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the, the main things that you need to do is distract them. Mm. You need to get them out of the thinking, the negative thinking process of it's lost. It's, I'm bad. Yeah. I'm bad. I'm bad. Um, because that is really some something that you see more and more at the moment is that you know um, the world can look a hell of a lot different right. when you had your recovery meal. You're sitting in a team bus, you had your shower. You know it still was a bad day, but you know you it, it could be the lead up to a really good day after. But but in my when that negative thinking is going on and and not only bad legs but everything is bad. That is when you really want to distract them from that, you know, get them to fo- refocus on something else. And sometimes you have to leave them there as well. I mean, if it's done for that day and there's nothing that positive is going to come out of these, okay, l- listen, 
We empty the tank today. We draw a line under it. We have uh, a good plate of pasta or a glass of wine tonight yeah. and tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll go again. We go at it again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's everybody's different. And like I said, I'm, uh, I like to do it like that. Distract them or really say, listen, today is a bad day. And we, then we also let it be a bad day. And we think for tomorrow and, you know, try to create some distance, some helicopter view. Think about it. And, 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 and more and more, I start to realize also that those bad days, they are not because it's on that day, 30 degrees or there's a headwind. It's often already building up before, that, that, you know, they drink too less two days before, yeah. or they didn't eat a little bit too less in the first two hours of the day before. Often it has got to do with those small details, why it becomes like that. There is... Yeah. I, I would think that's almost really important to remind him too, because if someone comes in with, with, with a certain level of confidence and, and it, that day doesn't go with them, they're going to be questioning, what, what the hell is going on with me? Why, why am I not who I was yesterday? And I think having that an answer to that, going, well, let's, let's look at your nutrition from two days ago. Let's look at your hydration levels. Let's look at these things. And I, I think we have an answer. Um, if anything, I, I, would, I would imagine that, that a rider can go, okay, all right, good good it's you know like i, I haven't lost yeah. my mojo uh, i just didn't do everything i needed to do leading up to right now um yeah i, I mean i mean I, I think one of the really good examples of that was uh Giro 2018 when uh simon yates he was flying in the first two weeks yeah of the i remember Tower. i remember yep. three and a half minutes before something in the issues playing with the Milan with fruit and with the previous year 2017 Giro knowing how fatigued how completely how do you say that worn out they are all those you see guys mm-hmm. um, is that that it's really dangerous to be flying in the first two weeks of a Grand Tour because you're flying it's it feels great yeah. you know but in the third week it's like a blanket of fatigue that comes around you and when you have somebody on a hype like that, and then he hits that day when it doesn't feel great, it's going to hit him twice as hard sure. because it has been easy up to then. Yeah. And that was really a really good example of somebody that I think was not really mentally prepared that it was going to be t- really tough in that third week because it was up to then so easy. Yeah. And I remember when in the 2017 with Tom de Milan, the day that he lost um, on the Pier Vocalo, it was the Friday stage. It was the stage where he lost the, yellow, uh, the, the pink jersey to Quintana. Uh, you see him drop, I think, with 6K to go or something on the Pier Vocalo, the last climb. And both Quintana and Nibali have a help rider with them. And they're like with in a group of 12 guys, de Milan is dropping. Everybody thinks now it's done. But what you see there on that moment, and if you look back, it's it's one of the crucial moments. They know Tom is dropped. They both have a help rider, but they couldn't, you know, go one pedal stroke faster. Yeah. You know, Tom was riding in 20 seconds and okay, he, he lost some time, but they couldn't deliver the knockout because they were also completely on their knees, both. <laughs> yeah. The help rider was pushing and Nibali had to yell to Pelizotti, easy, easy, because they were also completely completely yeah. on the knees. And, and, and that is also what you want in a Grand Tour, that in the third week, you know, these, these aces, they go shoulder to shoulder. And it's, 
it's not about the watts anymore at the moment. It's about who breaks first, who's going to let their hang, head hang, and who's going to, you know, give in. And it's, and uh, yeah, uh, it's complicated, but it's. Well, I, I think it's why people love the sport, right? It, it's we love, we, we, it's those times. I mean, obviously there's the sprints and everyone loves a good sprint, but it's in those mountains. And like I said, you can see it on people or you can see, uh, you know, a, a team leader's lieutenant who's, who's setting the pace and you can see, oh, he's actually setting it too strong. Like today is his, his day. And, and now the team leader can't stay with him. So watching that dynamic or, or someone crack, but does everyone else, you know, there, there's blood in the water, but, but do they have it in them to, to capitalize on this crack? And it's kind of really what you're explaining, uh, uh with, with Tom. So yeah, it's what it's, it's why we tune in, man. That's why we watch how many three weeks every single day. So, um, but I'm going to let you go here in a minute. Uh, Ike, I know you're, you're getting ready to leave on, on a 14 day trip. So I don't want to keep you from your, your family much longer, but, um, expectations for the team this year. Uh, what are, what are, what are some realistic expectations? What are some of the, the goals? If, 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 you know, I don't know if you're, uh, privy to, to t- talk about it all, but what are some of the big things you guys are, are really hoping to achieve on the, this first uh, first year in in all the Grand Tours? Yeah, two, two main goals. Uh, we want to win a stage in the Grand Tour, mm-hmm. you know, for Vuelta or the Tour, and that is a really big thing. You know, you have quite a lot of chances, mm-hmm. but it's also everyday disappointment. Because if you do a three-week Grand Tour and you're aiming stage results, you know, until the moment that you win one, it it, it can be pretty frustrating. Uh, but but that is really uh, one of the goals of the team. And next to this, we really want to be in the really monumental classics like Flanders, Roubaix. Sure. We want to be in the top 10. And uh, both are realistic, but we need to put in some hard work to make it happen. Well, listen, I don't, I don't want to hold you back from your family. This is um, having the opportunity to talk to somebody that, that, that is, uh, is a performance <clears throat> manager for, for a professional team is, is a real privilege for me um, just because I love the sport. And I, I think the listeners are just going to enjoy the, 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 the mental aspect of, of um, you know, talking to someone who's behind the scenes looking at, at, at uh, these young guys Again, the performance side, the mental side, the equipment side. Trying to man, what a what a what a cocktail of things you got to you got to get together to to truly kind of win on, on uh, in, in this insane sport. So, thank you so much for for, for coming on. Um, you know, we're looking forward to. I'm going to be following everything you guys are doing. Uh, I'm going to re- be reporting on it here on the podcast. So, I'm, I'm I'm really stoked to see how things go for you. All right, no, it was my pleasure, and um, yeah, I, I I hope we can uh, deliver some of the the goals and uh, it will be uh yeah it's it's you're very welcome to join us and uh, and, and and i hope uh, we can give some interesting insights in all the drama sure. and uh, the co- the complications of, uh, of of traveling around the world with our athletes and you know trying to to take our uh, success or wins against the big the big teams because that's what it really is at the moment for us we're a small team and we have to fight against the big teams and uh, we need to do a lot of things good to to get a result or get a win and um, it's a huge challenge yeah I'm sure I'm sure all right thanks Aike go spend some time with your family and and, uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon all right thank you everybody that's a wrap 
Like always, thanks again for checking us out. This show is brought to you by the team here at Consequence of Habit and is an arm of our 501c3 nonprofit. The show is produced and edited by the one and only Anthony Palmer. He's part of the Palm Tree Pod Company network of podcasts. That's it. I'll catch you guys next week.